Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How are you today? So excited to be here with you today. We've had a couple of great services. 9.15 was awesome. Last night, 5.30, Saturday night was awesome. And just want to welcome, if you're a guest with us here today and someone has been begging you, pestering you to come and visit with them, uh, we want to say thank you. Can, you. can we give it up for our guests here today? First time guests, we love you. Thank you for being in our home. We hope thus far your experience has been delightful and welcoming and a good one thus far. And so if you're, if you're tuning in on live, live streaming, we welcome you as well all across the country, even in different parts of the world. We know there's folks even watching in, in Germany right now, so we want, to, we, we want to welcome you as well. Pretty exciting to have you uh, dial in. Uh, so we're in a series right now called You Asked For It, but before we jump into the content, I just want to make a few quick comments about uh, how my heart was feeling last night. I was watching the news, and, and, and you guys are probably watching some of the news too, and seeing what's going on in, in Charlottesville, Virginia. It just really saddened me last night, and I, I didn't even want to watch, honestly, but I forced myself to kind of watch the news and dial in. And if you don't know what's going on down there, it's just all kinds of just anger and hatred and racism kind of spiraling out of control, and several people have died, and it just breaks my heart. And uh, I was got to thinking last, I was thinking about it last night and talking to my wife about it, woke up again thinking about it this morning and thinking, God, you know, what, what, how do we process that? How do we think about that? How should we, you know, what should we do about that? And it just confirmed in my heart today as I was spending time with him before the first service that the only answer is the gospel, the transformation of people's hearts, where anger and hatred and racism and prejudice is replaced by love and concern for a fellow human being. In fact, in Romans chapter 13, verse 10, I, if you follow me on Twitter, I sent this tweet out that Romans 13, 10 says, love does no wrong to his neighbor. That is the answer when people are transformed and the love of God fills their heart for their fellow human beings. And so I just want to spread that message and get that out there and say, what can we do? What can I do to help the situation in Charlottesville? I mean, I'm not going to fly there. You're probably not going to go there and try to fix things. But what I can do in my life, in my home, in my sphere with you is do what is best for you and love you the best that I can. Imagine if everybody did that in our world, right? Of course, that happens as we connect with Jesus Christ. And, and so I'm praying for uh, that city and that state right now. In fact, would you join me right now in prayer? Father, it, it just is so horrible to watch some of the hatred and the anger and the prejudice and the racism. It's, it's, not, it's not from you. It's from the evil one. God, right now I pray for that city, I pray for that state, God, that you would protect it, God, that you would protect innocent bystanders, that you would push back the anger, the hatred, the evil right now with, the, with goodness, with good people. Father, I pray for the law enforcement officers, men and women who are trying to keep everything calm. I pray for their protection, give them wisdom, give them discernment and and how to handle those situations. God, I pray for the pastors in that area and the, 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 the Christ followers in that area that they would step up and speak and act and bring about uh, peace and reconciliation. And so uh, our hearts go out to that city right now and just, we just lift them up in prayer and pray that your will will be done. It's in your name we pray, amen. 
Okay, so this series we're in right now, you asked for it. It literally is a series that you asked for. We asked, we did a survey on Easter. We said, hey, what would you love to hear about? And you gave us like this list of things. And the second thing, last week we dealt with the first question, which was number one by far, how do I deal with stress? Was that helpful last week? And if you saw it, watched it, okay. Okay. It was helpful to me. So, uh, you know. If you missed it, go back and watch that. I've had a very, very uh, stress, not stress-free uh, week. I don't think there is such a thing, but I was able to have a lot of peace in my week uh, in the midst of busyness and all that other stuff. Anyway, so today, question number two, how do I hear God's voice? Can I hear God's voice? And if I can, how do I do it? How many of you have had this experience where you get a call on your cell phone and this is what it looks like right here? No caller ID. Been there? Or maybe, maybe it says private. Been there, right? And now when you see no caller ID or when you see private, what do you do? Yeah, you don't answer it, right? There's no way. Like there's not a chance in the world that you're going to, you know, accept and, you know, whatever the button is and start talking. Like you don't do that. You're like, I, ain't talking, I don't know who it is. I'm not talking to that person. You know, there was a time many, many years ago, and I can say that now because I turned 40 on Friday, so I can start saying things like, many years ago, six, thank you, I appreciate it, that's fun. Uh, great, great day, but many years ago, there was a time, I remember when I was in middle school and high school, where uh, it was just normal not to have caller ID. Do you remember that? I think I just said caller, because it just kind of came back to me, my New York accent. Anyway, uh, caller ID, so no caller ID, and... <laughs> Um, and in fact, in fact, when the phone rang, you were sort of obligated. I remember my mom, my dad was like, pick up the phone. Like when it rang, you like, you were supposed to pick it up. No caller ID. It's just what you did. And anybody remember that time? I know if you're like in high school, you're like, what? That's crazy. There were once phones with no caller ID. Yeah, there were. And uh, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a crazy thing. And then, and then you know, what happened was our, our phone numbers started to get sold to telemarketers. Do you remember that? And so they would call around what time? Dinner time, right? And so we started to, as a, as a you know, country, we started to wise up. And we're like, well, I'm not picking up the phone because I know it's 5.30 and that's somebody trying to sell me something. So we started in our home for the first time, we started to let the phone ring. I remember that as a, as a middle school. Like, we're going to let it ring? <gasps> Ooh. You know, because normally it was like the phone's ringing, grab it, you know, it's like this, this like obligation to, to do this, right? So then we started to let the phone ring, and then shortly after that, they came out with these things, the phones with the, with the little window on it that said caller ID, and it would show you who it was, and then you could really start to screen your calls, and then when, it, you know, it was that person that called, and you recognized the number, you're like, yeah, I ain't taking that, because that's a 30-minute deal right there, and I don't want to talk to her right now, and... I just remember that, you know, and now today in our world, like every single phone call we get, you know, is a caller ID. I, we know who it is and, and we can even just deny it or take, you know, it's just in a, a totally different world. But here's my point. Here's my point. There was a time during that, during that window of time where when I was picking up the phone and on the other end of the line, there was a friend, my friend. Sometimes it was my brother's friends. Sometimes it was someone that my mother had a relationship with or my father and I tell me tell me if this if you didn't experience this I knew who it was just by their tone of voice do you remember this like they didn't even have to say hey it's so and so like I knew who it was I knew who my buddies were I knew who the girls were they called the house I knew my friends uh, my brother's friends like oh that's boomer or that's my my brother had a friend named boomer imagine that it's fun <laughs> anyway tone of voice gave it all away 
My question today is this. I'm going, here's where I'm going with this. Is it possible to become so dialed into God's voice that you can recognize it without him saying, hey, it's Jesus? Hey, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit trying to speak to you. Is it possible for you and I to know just by the tone, just by the, the inflection, just by the sound or the words that, oh, that's God speaking to me? Is it possible to get that familiar without the caller ID to know that God is talking to us? I believe the answer is yes. Dallas Willard said this. He wrote a great book called Hearing God. He said, if God doesn't speak to you today, the greatest disservice we could ever do to people and the greatest disservice I could ever do to you is to tell you that you can have a personal relationship with God. Why? Because a personal relationship requires two-way communication, doesn't it? In fact, some of you are no longer in a relationship with someone because they didn't know how to communicate. And usually it's the dude in the relationship, right? Because <laughs> we don't share our feelings that well. We, don't we just go like dive into a movie or something or a football game. And we don't like to talk that much, guys, typically, right? So sometimes a relationship can struggle when one person's doing all the talking. It is a, I would do a great disservice. I would be doing a great disservice to you if I told you, hey, you know what? You can, you can live in a personal relationship with God, but he doesn't talk to you. I believe it's possible. And I believe that actually you were designed to be in communication with God. And quite frankly, I think that God is chatty. At this point in my life, he's, he's, he's talking. In fact, in your notes, this is the way I wrote it. God is a communicating God. Like this is what he does. He's, he's trying to talk to us all the time. This is what Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, this is what he said in John chapter 10. When, when he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them as a shepherd, and the sheep follow him. That's me, that's you, the disciples, we're following Jesus. And, and here's, here's how we follow him. For they know his, say it with me, they know his voice. They know his voice. It is possible for you and I to get super familiar with the voice of Jesus. In fact, our followship, or if you want to call it that, our, our, our discipleship depends on us hearing his voice day in and day out. How else are we going to follow him? We don't know where he is if we can't hear him calling our name and telling us which way to go. In the Old Testament, King David is a great example of this. He wrote Psalm 32. Listen to what he said in Psalm 32. I love this promise. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. What an incredible promise this is. I used to, we had a, a campus pastor at Liberty University and we'd have this midweek service and almost every service this pastor would say something very similar to this, that God has your best in interests at heart, that God has the, your best intentions at heart, that he, he, he wants what's best for you. He would say it over and over and over, and it's true, that God wants you to go down not just any pathway, but what kind of pathway? The best pathway for your relationships and for your marriage and for your parenting and for the way you handle finances and for the way you handle stress and for the way you handle difficult people, which by the way, by the way, a little infomercial here next week, how to handle difficult people. Ooh. We're going to get into some juicy, juicy stuff because you've got some difficult people in your life, don't you? Hey, isn't it true that you are a difficult person? Anybody? Anybody? God has something to say about the difficult people in your life. He's got something to say about how, the people you need to forgive. He's got something to say about your financial life, your sexual life. He wants to talk. He's chatty. He wants to guide you 
along the best pathway for your life. He wants to advise you. What does an advisor do? An advise, you go to an advisor because you don't know where to go. You don't know which direction to choose. You don't know which path to take. The advisor comes in and says, based on all the information you just gave me, here's what I think you should do. That's God. He wants to speak if we will let him. So David, this is the guy who wrote this Psalm 32. Practically speaking, how does this work out in his life? Well, there's this time in 1 Samuel chapter 30 where there's this terrible situation that goes down where this army kind of invades this camp where David and his 600 men are staying and David and his men are out on a, on a, on a uh, sort of a, a campaign and all the women and children are home alone and this other band of raiders come in and they kidnap all the women and children and they burn down the camp. David and his men come back and they're just, just completely out of their mind. They're, they're crying, they're distressed. They turn on David, they want to kill him because he's the leader. What does David do? He gets by himself, he, he starts to talk to God. Watch, First Samuel chapter 30. This is possible for me and you. David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch him? I mean, this is me. This is you in our life. God, should, I, should we launch this third campus? Will it work? Should I take my, my son and, and, do, and have him transfer this, transfer schools? Will, will it work? This is, this is where I live. I don't know about anybody else. Like you got decisions to make. You have choices to make. Should we go? Will it work? I just talked to a friend of mine after the 915 service, Jeff Butcher, Paula Butcher have been part of this church for over 30 years. They're moving out to Washington State to be with their kids. Lord, should we move? Should we go? Should we uproot ourselves out of Greenwood? We've been here our whole lives, quit our jobs. Should we go? Should we move? Oh, this is life, right? The way it's designed for you and me is that we are to talk to God about all of the decisions in our life and and expect to hear an answer. Watch this. Watch what God says. And the Lord told him, yes, go after those guys. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Wouldn't it be awesome to go through life and hear God say, yes, no, go, stay, come, left, right, up. Wouldn't it be awesome? I'm starting to live that way. I don't get it right all the time. But I'm starting to go, God, what do you think? Should we, should we not? Yes, no, go, stay, come. <laughs> and we hear him say yes or no, and we follow. So David goes after the band of raiders, and sure enough, they're successful, and they get their, their wives back and their children. And That's the setup for you and I. It's possible to hear the voice of God in our lives. So how do we do it? How do we actually hear the voice of God? I'm going to give you four practical ways that you can do this. In your notes there, I strongly recommend that you take notes because guess what? If you take good notes, you can take those and help your, do a devotion with your children or do a devotion at work with other believers. You can transfer this information to them. Number one, how do you hear the voice of God? You have to, first of all, be concerned about God and what God is doing. You have to be concerned about God and what God is doing. I love the word concerned. The word concern simply means to pay attention to, right? If you're concerned about something, you're worried about it, you think about it, you check on it, right? If you're concerned about the stock market, you're looking, checking your phone if you've got investments, right? Think, think about farmers. What are farmers concerned about? The weather, right? Because the weather impacts their livelihood. In fact, I actually have a friend who's a meteorologist. We were talking about this last night. 
I said, what, what do you think? Can, can you give me your perspective? He's, he owns this business, this weather business, and, and a lot of his customers are farmers. This is what he said. He said, farmers literally pay and pray for the rain. Weather is single-handedly the number one factor in a grain grower's world. It will make or break their year. Farmers are concerned about rain. <laughs> they pay for it, or they try to. I don't know how they pay for it, but they pray for it. God, send the rain, because it has a direct impact on their livelihood and how they do their jobs. To be concerned about something is to think about something, worry about something. If you and I want God to speak to us, we have to be concerned about God, not for God. Watch this. This is a key word. About God, not for God. Hey, is God okay? You think he's okay? Yes or no? Yeah. If God's not okay, we're all in trouble. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's fine. In fact, God, a little theology here, he's the only self-sufficient, self-existing being. He needs nothing. He needs no one to exist. Now, we are dependent beings. God exists because he is God. He needs no one. God's okay. I'm not asking you to be concerned about, uh, for God. I'm asking you to be concerned about God. What's God up to? What's God think? What's God think about what's going on in Charlotte right now? What's God think about what's going on in my life right now? Charlottesville. What's God think about this decision I'm about to make? What's God think about how I'm raising my kids? What's God think about how the, the purchases that I make or this home that I'm about ready to move into or buy or build or whatever? What does God think? This makes complete sense that God would talk to somebody who is concerned about what God is concerned about or what God is doing in the world. Listen to Psalm 25. I'm not making this up. Psalm 25. Who then are those who... Fear the Lord. He, God, will instruct them in the ways that they should choose. The fear of the Lord simply means to be concerned about God. It doesn't mean to be afraid of God. It doesn't mean to be frightened of God. I'm sure there's an element of that that's somewhat healthy. But what I'm talking about when I say, when the Bible says fear God, it means to be concerned about God. What does God think about this situation? And that person who wakes up in the morning and throughout the day fears the Lord and is concerned about God, that's the person that God will talk to and show them which way they should choose. Look at verse 14, same psalm, Psalm 25, verse 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, for those who are concerned about God, and he makes known or he reveals to them his covenant. What do friends do? Don't friends talk? Don't friends share? Here's, what I'm, here's how my day went today. Here's what my plans are this weekend. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's how I feel. Here's what this, this happened in my day today, and here's how I responded. Friends talk and share, right? Don't they? God says, I'm going to be a friend. I'm going to talk to the person who's concerned about what I'm up to and what I'm doing in the world. That's who I'm going to talk to. And doesn't that make complete sense? In fact, let me ask you a tough question. Why would God talk to you? If you're not concerned about him and what he's doing, he has no, he has no reason to. Like if, if you're only concerned about living this life, calling your own shots, being your own boss, being basically God, and you're doing your own thing, why would God try to communicate to you? What's the answer? He wouldn't. But once I decide that, well, my life is not my own, like God bought me with a price, I'm his servant, these are his hands, his mind, his, his ears, his feet, like I'm, I'm here to serve your purposes. Well, now God has a reason to talk to us. Are you with me, yes or no? Is this making any sense? 
That's why the friendship of God is with those who are concerned about God and what God is doing. This is in the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's our prayer. Jesus says, you know, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ever thought about that prayer? Like that prayer is, is basically me and you being concerned about God's plans getting done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we're to pray that all day. I mean, every day of our lives. Number one, if I want to hear God's voice, I have to be concerned about God and what God is doing in the world. Number two, get super familiar with the Bible. Get super familiar with the Bible. I'm so excited. My wife got me a brand new Bible for my 40th birthday. Whew, I love it. This feels good. Smells good. <laughs> this is a slice of God's mind. It's not everything that God is thinking. But it, it, the written word is a slice of God's mind. God worked through the Holy Spirit, told men to write down things, and they wrote it. So when I open this book, when you open this book, we can get a slice of God's mind. Listen to what the, the Bible says about the Bible in Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This book, your written word, lights up my path. Now, I don't know about you, but I wake up before my wife most days, and it's most days, it's before the sun rises. And so when I get up, I grab my cell phone, and I do this number here. Many of you probably do too. And I put this little light on. Anybody else? It's dark, and I don't want to wake my wife up. So I put this thing down, and I start to light my path, right? Because I want to see how to get to where. Where am I trying to get to? First place. The bathroom, right? See, when you turn 40, you have to get there quickly. And then I use it also to get to my second destination, which is where? The coffee pot. You guys, I love it. We're synced. And then by then I can find a lamp or a light or something. I turn on the whole light. You know, in the Old Testament, they didn't have little nifty little flashlights on your cell phone, but they did have these little lamps that they had. This is not a replica, okay? But uh, this, this is sort of like a, one of the, you know, a lamp that they would have. And they would literally have a clay dish with a candle on it. And when they would wake up in the middle of the night, they would use this candle to light their path in the same way that we use our cell phone lights, so that they wouldn't stumble over anything in their path, so that they can know which way to go. You know what the Bible says about the Bible? Very simple. It says it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto a path. In other words, when I am super familiar with what this book says about relationships or sexuality or money or, or, or how to handle stress, we talked about that last week, then I am going to know how to navigate this life well. But if I don't know it, if I'm not super familiar with it, I forfeit all of that wisdom and I trip over stuff and I bump over stuff and I get into relationships I shouldn't be in and I make decisions I shouldn't be making, whether it's in business or with, with my children or parenting, and I'm walking in the dark without this book. So therefore, the psalmist says in verse 24, uh, on 119 verse 24, your testimonies, they're my delight, they're delicious. Last night I went over to a friend's house, we had some filet mignon, Unbelievable. I went back for seconds. In fact, this morning I had a, I had a, a steak hangover. You ever have one of those? <laughs> Your testimonies, they're my delight. They're delicious. They are my, say it with me, my counselors. They show me where to go. Like God's word is a lamp. It's a light. It shows me where to go. And therefore, the psalmist writes in verse 97, watch this. I love the Bible. I love your testimonies. I love your law. It is my, say it with me, 
meditation. All meditation is simply, you know, it's not sitting there thinking about nothing. It's actually filling your mind with specific truths from God's word, thinking about them over and over and over and over and over again, and it lights your path up. You see that, how that works? The more familiar I am with the written word, the more familiar with you are, that you are with the written word, the, the wiser you become, the better you live. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we don't read it. It's crazy. Like I'll sit down with a Christ follower at, at Starbucks or somewhere else and I'll say, so how's your Bible reading? And, and inevitably, inevitably, almost nine times out of 10, here's what I get in response. It blows my mind, blows my mind. Well, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm, I'm way too busy to find out knowledge about how to live. My life is screwed up, and that's why I need to talk to the pastor. Thank you for meeting with coffee for me. Totally screwed up my life. How's your Bible reading? Well, I'm busy. Can you stop saying that? Can we just have an agreement right here, me and you right here in this room, watching live? Stop saying that because everybody's busy. I was talking with a guy last night over steak. I said, hey, you know, we were talking about Bible. Where he said, well, I wake up at 3 a.m. now because I got to be at work at 5 and I need some time to get in this book. He wakes up at 3 a.m. to make sure that he's got the light lit. Can we stop making excuses, folks? Yes? We've got to get into the book. We've got to get super familiar with the Bible. Number three, you've got to listen to the right people. Listen to the right people. Not the wrong people. I love this quote by Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God. He said this, No means of communication between God and us is more commonly used in the Bible or the history of the church than the voice of a definite individual human being. Yes, I believe we should listen to the still, still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we should be paying attention to that every single day, right? And get super familiar with the word. But we also need to be listening to the right people. In fact, this environment right here, we are, we are hanging all of our, you know, our hooks. Uh, uh, I don't know how to say that. Anyway, we're, we're banking on the reality that God is going to somehow get a word through my brain and my heart into your heart. And if that's not going to happen, shut the place down. You see what I'm saying? Don't take us offline. Let's, let's not have church anymore. If God does not speak through me or Pastor Matt when he gets up here or Pastor Greg when he gets up here or Pastor Bill or whoever's on this platform, if God does not speak through, him, through, through human beings, what are we doing here? But we believe that he does. Probably not all the time. You probably know that by now. <laughs> not everything I say is from the Lord, okay? I'm willing to admit that. But sometimes... We're hoping that, man, he's going to speak through me into your heart, into your situation. You agree with this? You have to listen to the right people. In fact, this is what small groups is all about. We're getting ready to do small group registration August 19th and 20th. Why do we do small group? Because we're banking on the fact that when 10, 12 people get in a circle together, at some point in that small group environment, someone is going to speak and it's going to be like, man, I feel like God just spoke through you. We're banking on that situation happening in small group. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. God speaks through people. Now, I'm not talking about just anybody, okay? When, if you go work out, you go to the gym, and you go in the sauna, you're going to see some guys in there, you know? I'm not talking about the guys in the sauna, okay? You know, most of you, you know the naked guy in the sauna? <laughs> you, know, you walk in there, and the dude's sitting there, you know, naked. 
And then something comes up, right? Because you start talking and then he, he's got all the wisdom in the world. And he starts telling you, well, let me tell you about one time. And, you know, and he's naked. It's like, dude, would you put a towel on? I might listen to you if you, if you would just cover up a little bit. What's up with the... I really think that when you get to a certain age, you just don't care anymore. It's like they just walk in. Hey, guys, you know. I can't hear anything you're saying because... Ladies, that happens. Like, that's a real thing. Do you think I'm making this up? Like, do they really do that? Yeah, they do. I'm going to be that guy one day. I know it. Hey, guys, what's up? You know? I'm a retired pastor. You know, whatever. So, okay. Bring it back. Bring it back. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I'm trying to say that you can't just listen to anybody. You have to listen to the right people. The right people. Those who fear God. They're concerned about God. That's number three. Number four, you got to slow down. You gotta slow down. Hurry is the enemy of a spiritual life. Hurry is not being busy. Hurry is an internal condition where you're forgetting things and your mind is overwhelmed and it's boom, 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 go, 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 email and social media and go in here and then you forgot to go to the bank and you forgot to get milk and you blah, 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 blah. Hurry is a condition. It's not being busy. How can you hear the voice of God with the hurry mindset? It's impossible. You and I have to slow the heck down. Look, I watch it on 135 when I'm on, on the way to work. I see some of you ladies, you are driving, you are texting, and you are putting mascara on at the same time. It's unbelievable to me. It's like, whoa, that, whoo, I'm going to stay away from her. I'm going to change the lanes. You know what I'm saying? Because she is not going to see a car coming, right? It's just this, just, 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 just hurry, 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 hurry. How are you going to hear the voice of God that way? You will not. We need to slow down. This is a great story. I, I talk about it often in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is rolling into to Jerusalem. Mary and Martha are sisters. They know Jesus. Their brother is Lazarus. He raised, he's the guy that Jesus raised from the dead. Cool story. And we'll talk about that one. They bring Jesus into the house, and, and Martha immediately goes into, like, honor Jesus mode, let's cook him a meal mode, all that. Mary makes a different decision. Watch what Mary does. Watch this. But her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what Jesus taught. Of course she did. Of course she sat down. Here's what, she, here's what Mary did. She sat down and said, the master of the universe is in my house. The, the creator of the stars and the moon and the sun is in my house. I'm going to sit I'm not going to serve him. I'm not going to cook him a meal. I'm going to listen to what he has to say because he's chatty. God talks to us. He has information about life he wants to download to us. Mary made this decision, but watch, Martha didn't. She was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And so after a while, she's cooking and messing around with the potatoes and whatever she's got going there. She looks over her shoulder and there's Mary, you know, writing stuff down. Wow, that's good, Jesus you know, say something else, all right, you know, she's taking notes. Martha's over there going, lazy woman. She actually, Martha actually says, Jesus, will you tell her to get up off her butt and help me? That's a paraphrase, but it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> Jesus responds to Martha, watch this, but the Lord said to Martha, my dear Martha, he's so gentle, he's so loving, you are worried and upset over all these little details. Not sinful things, okay? It's not sinful to cook a meal for an honored guest. He's not saying that. He said, you're worrying about all these other details. Watch this. Watch what he clarifies. There's only one thing, one thing to be concerned about or worth being concerned about or worth paying attention to. 
Mary, your sister, she's discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. What did she discover? Guys, you gotta get this. What did she discover? She discovered that if I'm gonna hear the voice of God, I've gotta sit down. I gotta stop the cleaning and the cooking and the thing and the and the going and the tournaments and the I gotta go and I gotta go and I gotta go and we gotta be because we committed and I'm not saying any of that is sinful, okay? We do it too, okay? Okay, we got three kids. But if I sacrifice the sitting down and the listening to God, I'm not going to hear his voice. And neither will you. Because hurry is a great enemy to the spiritual life. You can't, God's not going to scream at you over all of the other noise. You and I have to slow down. So what does that look like? It looks like you, in your day planner, in your day runner, you say, okay, if I got to be at work at this time and my kids have got to be on the bus at this time if you've got kids, then I've got to back up that schedule even more so that I can sit at the Lord's feet and listen to what he has to say. That's what that looks like in your life. And unless you carve out that time, you're probably not going to hear God's voice that much. And therefore, you forfeit the wisdom and the guidance and the direction and, you know, the, the, the light before you to guide your path and all the different situations and scenarios and decisions you have to make. You're basically going at this thing all by yourself. And I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I don't want to do life by myself. If I've got the all-wise, all-knowing God who's saying to me, Danny, I will guide you and show you the best pathway for you to go. I will give you counsel. If that's available to me... I'm going to take the time like Mary did to sit and listen to the master's voice. How about you? Does that sound inviting to you? Does that sound like the life that you want? It's the life that you're invited into. Here's the counsel from Psalm four, uh, chapter 46, verse 10. Be still. Sit down. And know that God is God. Listen for his voice. He has something to say to you, I believe, every single day. As I was doing it this morning, I promise I'm almost done. I sat down this morning before the 915 service when I woke up. And I opened up, I go to the same place I go to every morning. And I opened up the scriptures and I did the one-year Bible. And I said, God, is there anything else you want to say? We were in 1 Corinthians, we're in the book of Nehemiah. We're in Psalm chapter 33. Wonderful, wrote some notes. Is there anything else, God, that you want to say to me this morning? You know what he, said? You know what he whispered in my ear? Romans 13, 10. That's my heart for what's going on in Charlottesville, Virginia. So, so if, you follow me, if you follow me on Twitter, I just, I just tweeted that out. Love does no wrong to his neighbor. I said, oh, that's good. That's good. Anything else? I wrapped it up. Came over to church. God wants to speak to you every single day. That's what a personal relationship looks like. Now, as I wrap this thing up, my hope is that you'll do that stuff and you'll carve out the time and you'll listen to the right people and you'll get familiar with, with the word and you'll be concerned about God, you'll fear him. Some of you here today and some of you watching online, you're interested in a personal relationship with God, but you don't have one yet. And you're wondering, how do you start that? Well, here, here's the deal. You have to get rid of this thing called sin. Sin, not necessarily the daily sins that we commit, but the fact that, that we are a sinner, like our fundamental identity is that of sinner. 
And because that's true and that's all rooted in the Garden of Eden and, and we inherited that from Adam and Eve, and if, if you doubt any of that, all, all you have to do is have a kid. Just have a kid. And then if you are delusional about that first child, because sometimes parents can get that way about their first kid, have a second. That'll confirm it all. They're sinners. And guess what? They didn't learn it from you, right? The selfishness, the that's mine, the whole deal. Where's that come from? The Garden of Eden, you did it too. You started out as a little sinner and you became a big one, right? <laughs> that, that thing about us, the thing about me, the thing about your kids, the thing about you, that separates us from God because God and sin don't mix. It's like oil and water. They don't go together. And that's why Jesus Christ came into this world. He died on the cross, if you've ever wondered, not to, not to bring justice into the world and, and fix the problems of the world, although, yes, that's on his agenda, but the primary reason he came into this world is to remove the barrier between God and man, and that is sin. So he dies on the cross. He pays for the penalty of sin so that you can enter into a relationship with him and know him. Listen to how Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says it. For we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. When you trust Christ and you say to him, I believe you died on the cross for my sin to remove the barrier so we can be in a relationship. And when you place your faith in him, you become a child of God. You don't become a child of God by attending church services. I think they're helpful. You don't do it by giving your money, which I think that's a good idea. You don't, you don't become a child of God by being a really good person and making sure your good deeds outweigh your bad and maybe when you die, then you'll, God will let you in. You know, maybe not, I'm not sure. That's not how we do it. We do it by trusting and putting our faith in Christ and what he did for us on the cross. That's how you become a child of God. Some of you right now, you're watching online, some of you live right now, you need to put your trust and faith in Christ. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. That's what it takes, right here. And you will become a child of God. If you feel led to do that right now and you're being pulled in, that's the Holy Spirit. Pray this simple prayer. Make these words your own. You'll become a child of God right now. Will you pray with me? Jesus, with the little faith that I have, incomplete it is. Small, but real. I put my faith in you today. I put my trust in you today that you did what was necessary to remove the barrier, the sin that blocked a relationship between you and I. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, paying the penalty for my sin. I ask you right now to cleanse me, to wash me, and to make me your child by faith. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. And from this day forward, help me to, to, to hear the voice, your voice, and to be willing and have enough courage to follow your voice, to trust that you, you want what's best for me, to have enough faith to, 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 to follow your voice. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, first of all, we want to give God glory for you. Amen, church. Those of you online watching, amen. 
few moments ago, I quoted Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That is why we want to give you for free a copy of the One Year New Testament if you put your faith in Christ just a few moments ago. If you did it online, there's a button there you can click to say, I just trusted Christ. Click that button. We'll make sure that we put one of these in the mail. We'll send it to you where you are. And uh, the reason we do that is because we believe with all of our hearts, Romans 12, 2, that we're transformed into new people by changing the way we think. And we change the way we think by getting into the Word of God. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. A little bit louder than that. Come on, guys. Come on, come on. Let's go. Isn't it awesome? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Before, I'm going to pray. Now, next week, remember, I gave you a little taste, a little taste. Next week, we're talking about how do you deal with the difficult people in your life, okay? It is going to be juicy. It is going to be good. And, and, and be ready. Be ready to hear this. You may be the difficult person, okay? So just come ready to receive. Come with an open heart. I believe God's going to do big things. Will you pray with me? Oh, God, thank you. Thank you we can have fun in church. Thank you that we can worship you. God, we believe with all of our hearts that when we see you correctly, through music, we will value you above all things. Thank you for the opportunity to worship today. Thank you for the opportunity to hear your words today from the scriptures and, and to be challenged to hear your voice day in and day out. Will you guide us as we create time and space, as we slow down, as we, as we make time for you, God, as we listen to the right people, as we fear you, God, will you speak to us and guide our lives? We love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.